Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Revely, revely, dogs. Look at us now, tip to tip. This is our life. This is our passion. That's the spirit we bring to this show. I'm Luke Thomas. I'm Brian Campbell. This is Morning Combat. It is Wednesday, the 31st of August, 2022, and it is time for Morning Combat. Hello, everyone. How are you doing? I am one half of your hosting duo. My name is Luke Thomas. I join you from the capital of Estados Unidos right here in Washington, D.C., joined by my friend. He is not from Compton, but he's wearing the shirt. He is, uh, when he's not cooking in his basement, he's asking pro fighters about dicks. He's my friend and yours, the king of Connecticut himself. It's Brian Campbell. Hi, B.C. You know, you know, Luke. I may get, I may get lionized for that, for that attempt at at a comedic transition there. But I, I will say, uh, that actually was done. And in, in the, I, I thought Danny was going to run with that Sabatello. I thought he was no. going to say, "You're damn right, I'm rock hard with emotion, ready to kill this guy." But uh, his, his no sell. Uh, it, it, you know, it made the moment, Luke. Okay, okay. BC, was, define lionize. You know, I don't tend to to necessarily um, use the right words in the right context, Luke. But I try to I try to tie them together with passion and emotion, and, and hope you feel something. Okay, Luke. I, I actually feel like you used it correctly, but perhaps not in the way you might imagine. It means like to to uh, make something popular, to um, to boost its sort of a profile, essentially. And uh, then what's the opposite of lionize, Luke? You mean to like reduce the profile? I'm not sure what the exact opposite would be. Um, minimize, or that's not quite the right word either. But in any event, I see you drinking that AG1 player. Yeah. Uh, we got a lot to get to today. So, first things first, thumbs up on the video, hit subscribe. Let's see if you're watching on YouTube, of course. If you're listening to your favorite podcast platform, be so kind to give us a nice review. That'd be great. We appreciate how you listen to the show no matter what. Of course, you're looking on the TV screen right now. You can see all the screen, whatever. You can see all the various social channels, and you can give us a follow there. Showtime is the label that pays. You can go to Showtime.com, get a 30-day free trial. If you like it, you can keep it. If not, you can bounce. You can't get the Compton shirt that BC is wearing, but you can get other good merch. Look, can you get store. this? Can you get this Malka baseball cap that I stole out of the studio the other day? Yeah, that looks pretty good, actually. I do like oh, that. I do like right. that. It's, that's all a right. nice one. Shout out to Team Malka, right? Corey Manich, Long Island Luke, right? Gaff. Uh, Certainly, certainly yeah. uh, very true. And uh, there's all the merch you can get right there. Of course, don't forget, there is the uh, morningcombat at gmail.com where you can send Wednesday's fan subs, Friday's dead wrong. Uh, and I want to do the, are we going to do the, uh, the bit for uh, a little bit later? Let's put it up now. 
World MMA Awards. World MMA Awards. We'll remind you a little bit later in the show, but he, vote for Morning Combat, worldmmaawards.com slash nominees. If you're listening on the audio platform, if you're watching on the screen right now, there's the QR code. Just put your phone up to it. You can vote. Simple, easy, fast, no problems there. I've been now, told the Q&R code is broken, Luke. I've been told that. It's broken? That's what I've been told. So if it okay, is... Leave, leave it up. Leave it up. I'm going to try it in real time. Leave it all up. Right, go to worldmmaawards.com slash nominees if this is broken. And, um, you know. Let's see. I'm say your see right piece, now. Okay. Um, let's see. Would you yeah, believe it's not, a, bro- it's, it's not broken. Whoever okay, then I heard wrong from our listeners, okay? Yeah. Okay, Mikey says it was broken, but it was fixed. Or maybe that was Long Island Luke. Shout out to our team behind the scenes for always getting our back and taking care of shit, Luke. I would have had potentially a QAnon-related conspiracy on why it was broken, but I'm glad to see it's back, Luke. Glad to see All right, it. very good. Uh, BC, we also have, I can see you're drinking it. I had mine this morning. Um, AG1. AG1 yeah. is a great sponsor of ours. And something we use every day, Athletic Greens. We want better gut health, more energy, and we don't like taking a bunch of pills and vitamins. I mean, here's the deal. I like stuff that tastes good, right? How about this mild, clean, tropical taste? That one scoop each morning of this magical green powder, Luke. It's going to, you know, jump into your bloodstream and kind of fill in the gaps of what you're not giving yourself. And that's the stuff that's going to let you live long. I know we chase green in this life, Luke. And we're normally talking about, um, you know, the cream, right? The cash that rules everything around me. Dollar, dollar bill, y'all. But, Luke, the pursuit of that, right? Right? That can lead you down some dark roads. Why don't you pursue this green? Because it's called life, where I come from. One scoop a day. Why don't you change the way you feel about yourself? Why don't you change what you see when you look in the mirror? Why don't you start that journey with AG1? All right, it's lifestyle-friendly. Whether you eat keto, paleo, vegan, dairy-free, or gluten-free, it contains less than one gram of sugar, no GMOs, no nasty chemicals or artificial anything, while still tasting good, BC. I mean, would you say it's the second favorite thing in your life that's green, Luke, behind the cannabis tree? Can we, can we do the, the read? We, we, have not hit the, uh, we have not hit the part where it's verbatim yet, Luke. Okay, this is the freestyle portion I, I, of the I, ad I, I just did the verbatim part. Okay, sorry, Luke, sorry. Well, to get your back, I want to talk to you about this great and small micro habit that produces big benefits. You can do it every single day to take great care of yourself, and I can't say this enough, Luke. Don't take my word for it. How about the 7,000 people that have given Athletic Greens five-star reviews? And how about those leading trusted health experts like Tim Ferriss and Michael Gervais? Right now, it's time to reclaim your health and arm your immune system with convenient daily nutrition, especially heading into the flu and cold season, which just whooped your boy's ass. It's just one scoop in a cup of water every day. That's it. No need for a million different pills and supplements to look out for your health. I mean, to make it even easier, Luke, right, than one scoop a day, how about this? Athletic Green's going to give you, the viewer, how about for free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D with your first purchase, along with five free travel packs. I take it with me on the road all the time. It's discreet, it's small, it's easy, it's quick, it's perfect. It's athleticgreens.com slash morning combat. Why don't you tell them that BC sent you, okay? Why don't you see what happens next? Again, that is athleticgreens.com slash morning combat to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily daily excuse me nutritional insurance. BC, I was sick last week, obviously. Yeah. I managed to get every single person in the house sick abuela pipe my wife 
yeah. my kid. I mean, everybody, just, everybody got sick because of me. So it was great. Yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure they're you know they're loving <laughs> they're loving Whitey at the moment in your house, Luke. Um, <laughs> Luke, you ever go to see your your favorite band perform live and you're all excited, but then they play the songs exactly like they sound on the album, and there's no improvising, there's no you know emotion. There's it, it's kind of like you reading an AG one ad, Luke. I got to be honest with you. All right. Yeah, I saw Rage do that just recently, and they were great. I loved it. All right. So there's it's, that as it's, well. It's fantastic. <laughs> all right, let's start. Topic number one. Ready to get into the show. Let's start with the UFC's return to action. Of course, they were off last week. They're back this week. And there's a big note here. They're going to have their very first event in Paris, France. This, of course, will be UFC Fight Night. Gan versus Tuivasa. That's your main event. If you look at the odds right now, BC, for Gan and Tuivasa, our friends at Caesars, boy, they have gone as a massive minus 575 favorite to Tuivasa's plus 425. So, BC, when I ask you what's at stake here, it seems like beyond there just being a massive uphill climb for Tuivasa, which, of course, would be a great win for him if he were able to get it, what is at stake in this heavyweight, Paris-based main event? Yeah, that's that's uh, you know interesting you asked that because the same question was asked to Dana White last night in the post-scrum after the Contender Series episode, Luke, and, you know, after the, what'd you say? What was that? What did he say? Did he say that? What did he say after those type of stuff that Dana keeps doing? He did answer Luke, and he said essentially, don't call it a de facto number one contender bout, but it kind of is, especially for Tui Vasta, said Dana. And as you mentioned, look, Gon just fought for the title. He gets a win here. You have to believe he's right there. I do believe Dana. I do question this matchmaking, though, Luke. It's just something that we said when it was announced. Some of that question of the matchmaking, though, does lean into the idea that we all believe Tai Tui Vasa is you know, kind of batting over his, uh, you know, over his limit there. Whatever the phrase is when you get a really hot girl, Luke, but you're a, you know, filthy scrub yourself. He's not necessarily a filthy scrub, although he's played one on TV drinking out of his shoe. My point here about Tuivasa is, you know, he, he upset Derek Lewis by knockout. He's got himself to this position. Would there have been a better stylistic matchup to give him that opportunity to cut the line and have his big moment? I'm sure, yes, many, as we looked at, you know, the the final heavyweights available right now in this title picture. But this is the fight that was made, and the odds tell you what should happen, what I think a lot of us expect to happen. But at the end of the day, I didn't think Tayo Tuivasa would be right here, right now, as Jesus Jones once famously sung. And look, he's here, Luke. Um, if he gets it done once more against, again, maybe the worst style matchup available to him, yeah, he might be just fighting for a title next. And it, it would be a, a, an incredible run given his popularity, his sort of barbaric style. He's earned this opportunity, but this opportunity ain't easy, Luke. They did him zero favors as Gon not only gets, you know, the homecoming in some ways, but in many ways gets a chance to, to bounce back and redeem himself after getting out-wrestled by Nganu in that title fight. So I, I would agree with that in general. And listen, if you look at the rankings as it stands at the moment of this broadcast, obviously Francis is your champion. We'll see what the hell happens. By the way, we don't even know what's going to happen with Francis. Is he going to stay in the UFC? Is he not going to stay in the UFC? We just don't even really know what the answer is. Plus, he's on ice uh, through injury rehabilitation. So there's a lot of uncertainty, actually, at the top of this division. Now, I mentioned as it stands, here are the rankings. Francis sitting at the top, obviously unranked because he's the champion. So number one ranked contender is Cyril Gaon. Number two is Stipe Miocic. Three, Tai Tuivasa. And then, of course, <clears throat> of course, four is Curtis Blades. So, BC, we had the Blades versus Aspinall fight, and we got a winner there, but we didn't really get... <clears throat> 
we didn't really get a great answer to whatever questions we were looking for between that contest. So that kind of just happened without really any meaningful, impactful resolution. We have this fight, and as Dan indicated, it's kind of number one contenders, but not necessarily. The UFC is keeping its option open because we don't know what's going to happen with the number two ranked guy, Stipe Miocic, and a guy that's not ranked, but certainly going to be right at the front of this division, at least to begin his first fight, which is John Jones. They're waiting to see what happens in all of these different scenarios to then make the best calculation for the brand or whatever the case may be in whatever direction they want to move forward. If Cyril Gaon wins and wins impressively, he might get a title shot. It, it just it, would if Francis sticks around. Would they do that right away? I I don't know. If Tuivasa, to your point, wins, no doubt about it. I think he gets a title shot. They would want to capitalize on that plus the Australian market, so that would work out well. But what if John comes in and looks really amazing? Would they bump him to the front of the line? If so, would Gon have to fight the loser of that? I mean, there's just a lot of different ways in which this could go. Where the UFC would want to maximize the potential time uh, John Jones has left and any kind of ability as well. He claims he can do, you know, walk on water. We shall see about that at heavyweight. But that's really what's kind of up for grabs here is keeping his really elevated place in line or in the case of Tuivasa getting a signature win and then potentially getting a title shot right thereafter. But there is one more thing worth mentioning here, BC, which is they've got a French native essentially in the main event, Cyril Gaon in Paris, you got to understand the size of Europe's economies. Germany is number one. They have tried to make inroads there. It's been a little bit more slow going. Two would be the UK. France is right behind it and barely right behind it. And as well, while the UK is a hotbed of uh, boxing fandom and boxing talent, all things boxing, it really is in many ways the capital of the world, certainly, for boxing. The French history in martial arts really cannot be understated. One of the top judo teams in the world for a long time. They still produce gold medal talent all the time. It's been home to many other other sort of native striking arts. Kickboxing is big there in a lot of different ways. We're talking about an economy that's barely smaller than the UK's with a natural proclivity, it seems like, among the population to produce and enjoy martial arts. And now they've got a heavyweight guy in the main event who could be lifted to stardom in all kinds of different ways. I'm sure he already has a level of popularity. When we're talking about what's at stake. It's not just what's at stake for uh, Cyril Gaon and Taito Ivasa. Gaon could do a lot to lift the overall, let's say, status of MMA inside of France in a way that not a lot of other people could. It's a really exciting time for MMA, for UFC, and for French MMA. And if Gaon goes in there and does what I think the odds makers think he's going to do, could be a really big moment in the history of MMA as a turning point to developing a very important market in mixed martial arts. Yeah, no question. And in some degree, it feels like UFC, you know, finally getting into New York City in 2016 after that long break. Although, let's put some respect on Bellator put in what? Czech Congo and uh, was it Timothy Johnson in that first uh, card back in Paris? Or Bader. I think it was Bader. I don't think so. I don't think so. No, but, I'll look that up. Yeah, something like that. Um, but look... Um, you're right about gone, but you know, back to that original question we said about how crowded this this title picture is, and it, it's just so tough to tell because, you know, we don't know if Francis is going to fight again in the UFC, as you mentioned. We don't know if John's going to come back against Stipe for an interim title, with the winner then facing Francis when he's ready, or if it's right to to Francis and maybe the winner of this fight would get Stipe, or maybe he wouldn't be interested in taking that. There is a lot of uncertainty. But I wanted to spin it back on you and ask specifically, when the UFC match makes main events that have, you know, local cultural significance, 
there's usually meaning behind it. Is this matchup to them? Look, just two guys right there in the title picture, both exciting in names, you know, gone more exciting because of the connection there to France uh, than, than his style necessarily. But is this a setup for gone to look great and secure himself a title shot in front of his home fans and inject that market, Luke? Or do they think Ty Tuivasa has as good a chance as anybody in this one? Because I don't, I don't, I don't feel like I fully get this fight. Yeah, I, I, this to me feels like strike force matchmaking a little bit. And here's what I mean: it's going to sound like I'm diminishing what Ty Tuivasa can do. I'm, I'm not. I thought, like, again, what's the big takeaway from the Gan and Francis and Ganu fight? For me, there's a few things, but the big one would be like as good as Gan striking and overall round and fight management is and it's very very good maybe the best at heavyweight in terms of just that his ground game really is far behind and it needs a lot of work we'll see if he can get the proper development on that as time goes on so I thought they were going to test him to see if there's going to be some kind of improvement to that like by giving him potentially Curtis blades but they didn't they didn't give him that and that to me says let's see if we got this right they didn't give him a test I mean Taito Ivasa is a tough fighter, but the particular weaknesses that Gan showed, I don't know that Taito Ivasa is particularly suited to really test those, right? Like a, a leg lock guy, so to speak. Um, so you, you're not getting that question really necessarily answered here. It's in France. It's the UFC's debut in France. And you've got a guy who's one of the smartest distance risk managers on the feet against a guy who is certainly a heavy power puncher, aggressive has beaten very good guys, can fight fire with fire with the best of them, but that seems like a bad matchup for him taking on a guy like Cyril Gaon. It seems to me that this is, I'm not going to call it a setup fight because Taito Ivasa being number three in the world, you know, when you're number three in the world, there's not really a setup fight, but in the sense that is the UFC giving Cyril Gaon a tough fight? Yes. But one that's winnable given the circumstances? Very much Yes in a market that they really want to have a dynamic, hot start in. Yeah. I, I think that it is. I think that's largely what you're looking at here because if it was really about seeing the development and testing Cyril Gaon against his weaknesses, there's a few other fights they could have done. This is not the one I would have picked. No, I agree with that. And, you know, if Francis resigns, who knows? Maybe we end up with Francis versus Gone 2 from, like, the observation deck of the Eiffel Tower, Luke, which would be the ultimate sort of French, French pastry to deliver to the, to the locals. But, like I mentioned, the division's so sort of cloudy at the moment in terms of who's next. Whoever can win this one on Saturday will be in such a great spot, though, when that's all figured out to get their opportunity. Luke, do you look at... France, I mean, like like I said, there's comparisons to New York in 2016, meaning it didn't make a lot of sense why the sport was outlawed in this modern times, and now it's finally not, so let's invade it. But do you look at France as a potential hotbed market at the same way we look at Ireland or the UK when they get a local fighter, think Conor McGregor, now think Aspinall and Leon Edwards making big noise, um, or Australia, which really blew up after uh, Holly Holm and Ronda was there. Is France on that level? Do, do French people actually care about this shit, Luke? 
Well, what do the French care and what kind of commercial success? I'm way too far removed to have any clear sense of things. I guess we will see in time. By the way, the Bader Con- uh, Congo fight was in France. That was that was Bellator Paris as well. Wasn't that their um, second and, their second journey to Paris? Wasn't the first one where Congo lost by split decision to Tim Johnson? Or did I make that uh, up? Luke? He could have. Let's see. I can tell you that right now. So yeah. if you're looking at, I Czech mean, I Congo, know Bellator history. Don't challenge me, Luke. Okay. So that would that would the one you're talking about is Bellator 248. That was also in Paris as well. We were both right essentially they were both in Paris um the point I'm trying to make here is commercially I don't know exactly what it will mean we will have to see but if you're asking me about like athletic talent dude France has some of the best athletic talent in the world like and this is something you may not appreciate but it is just worth saying out loud dude like for example you can look at the French rugby team those motherfuckers are all hammers just from beginning to end but if you look at their soccer team that's really where you begin to see it dude the French soccer team I cannot overstate this they have so much talent that guys who have like dual nationality from having ancestry in Africa, guys who are on the very best pro teams in Europe often end up playing for potentially one of their other countries they have a dual nationality with because they're just, they can't get on the French team. Dude, the French team is a fucking murderer's row, top to fucking bottom of nothing but the best players in Europe everywhere it's well, shocking Luke, How good, I well, there's, a, there's a reason for that there's a reason for that yeah. because ahead, I- they were such a colonial force hold on, hold on, real quickly real quickly they were a colonial force for so long i, I didn't turn that, away i'm still listening i'm still listening. okay that they have all of these uh they they have a certain eligibility rules for a lot of their former colonies so they're able to just recruit a lot of athletic talent and then internally in sports that they give their resources to, soccer being one of them, their development programs from youth are just world-class. So by the time someone becomes like an 18-year-old, ready-to-be-a-professional-athlete, kind of uh, uh, whatever the sport may be, dude, they've got resources to pull from, training programs to get people ready. The French are athletic powerhouses, whatever a stupid impression we might have of them otherwise. We oui, Those oui. dudes are ready to go. Yeah, yeah, indeed. I was going to try to talk French football with you luke if you will okay do they call it football there they probably do it's uh, i'm not sure how you say football in french but i'm assuming it's something um, similar. you know there. the last time i really cared about french football luke was uh the 98 world cup because of the popularity of the ea sports fifa game that year you know with with the uh, uh song two by blur as the theme song when it kicked off and then the the ability to play the indoor setting i mean it was a great game luke and then you know Henri and and Zidane went out there and headbutted their way to a uh, to a championship. And I did watch when they when they lost as well. Uh, who is rocking the house these days? Is it that Teddy Atlas scarred motherfucker Ribery? Is he still there? Uh, he's pretty old. Uh, he played in the German leagues for a while. He's pretty fucking old. No, um, so like who, the best French player is the guy who plays for my team. It would, well, the best striker anyway. It would be Kareem Zidane. What was that? Kareem Zidane. Benzema. Be Benzema. Benzema. Benzema is one of the best. But dude, you can go all the way through. Would you all call him positions. a French Ronaldo, Luke? I don't know what that means. A a a, a goal scorer in the mold of the mighty Brazilian talent Ronaldo. Uh, he's his own man, but yeah, like he, he is, he's going to win the Ballon d'Or, which would be the, the oh, by yeah. way, French award given to the best player every year. He's, he's going to win it walking away this year. Um, but dude, all down the line, they have, I mean, they're the level of talent they have is absurd, absurd. So if you can get some of that to go into MMA, Dude, the French are going to be fucking powerhouses okay. before you know it. I'm telling you. I mean, you. you know, long term they are my people, Luke. I don't identify with them often. You know what I mean? But long term they are my people. So, but um, the thing is, you and I grew up in in this stupid era of 
you know, American arrogance where we thought the French were weak yeah. and pathetic. And yeah, it turns Agreed. out that like you got to yeah. you got to let go of 1980s attitudes about them. It do, they don't they don't really hold up. Look, uh, this era well. of American arrogance does date back to 1776. I just wanted to, you know, I know you weren't born in this country, but I did want to educate you on that. Okay? True. Wasn't yeah. born here. I missed I missed that part in 1776. All right. Yeah. Uh, also on this card. And I got to tell you, BC, we looked at the odds, you know, gone. Let's be real. Gone should win this. Like, it'd be kind of shocking if he didn't. However, the co-main to me is significantly more interesting at middleweight. Now, two gentlemen who have both had two different cracks at the current champion, Israel Adesanya. Neither could get it done, although Whitaker getting pretty close the second time around. This is something of their, uh, a bit of a next up campaign to get back to him one more time. The odds makers, BC, have this contest as pretty close, although Whitaker, clear favorite, minus 220 at Caesars, plus 180 for Vittori. Now, I don't think the winner here gets a title shot. I do think a win is valuable. True or false, BC, is a loss more damaging here than a win is more beneficial? For Robert Whitaker, are you saying, or for either? For either. Like, I throw either. Uh, Which one you know, has more substance to it? The, the the devastation of the loss or the boost of the win? I don't mean to sling disrespect at Marvin Vittori, who I love his attitude, hunger, that he goes after it, that'll fight you in a hotel lobby if that's the what it calls for, Luke. But I don't think a loss really hurts him because I think I know who he is the rest of the way. Yes, he reached the title level. He's going to be a tough out for anyone, Luke. Uh, but I think he's going to be who he's going to be for a while, meaning... He loses here to Whitaker. Whitaker goes on to a title shot. It's not a big deal. He'll still be in this pool. Is it damaging for Whitaker? Well, of course, because it would be a second straight defeat. But I really believe what I had said the other day in the episode, Luke, about my clairvoyance and the feelings I see that, you know, Adesanya is not long for this division. After Pedeta, there's not much else to accomplish, Luke. So... Whitaker very well could get a title shot directly off of this fight. We can't sleep on that. Now Sean Strickland out of the Cannoneer fight, which makes it a little bit more muddier. I'm not sure, Luke. I'm trying to see who the opponent's going to be. I can't see it. But I think it's very possible. So the stakes, huge for this fight. Would it be, Would a win be more powerful and valuable than a loss would be devastating for Whitaker? Yes, yes, right now. Right now, no question about it, Luke. And I think even if you're not going to ride with me, right, on the idea that Hey, the judges might have gotten it wrong in the Adesonia rematch. It might have happened, Luke. It's one of those fights that it's how you look at the scoring criteria, what you like better, what you preferred. I still think Whitaker is of this ilk. I think this is the right opponent at the right time to show that, meaning Vittori's style is going to bring out the very best of who Whitaker is and what he does. These are the type of opponents that his craft goes up a level, right? He had to numb down the craft against Adesanya because... He's up against the ultimate craftsman. He had to try to find other ways to get a victory. He had to try to take the fight to the ground. He had to do some stuff. Against an opponent like this, we're going to see prime Whitaker. And I think he, he ends up fighting for a title sooner than later off of this. So I look at this fight, Luke, as big stakes. I think it'll be a fun fight to watch. Odds won't be as wide as we expect Gon to beat Tuivasa in the main. But I still feel like I know who's going to win both of these fights coming in. I'm not, I'm not complaining about that. But... These are the bounce back off of title losses type fights that you got to go back in there, remind people who you are, and get back in line. And I, I like both guys to do that, but I also, uh, um, you know what? I'm going to stick with that. I like both guys to do that, Luke. Okay, thank you. A little early prediction. Why don't you, why don't you, why don't you take that information, Luke, and plug it into like uh, betsomething.com? All right. What would happen in your, Bet your mind? ass? What, what would happen? What would happen if Marvin Vittori 
not only wins, but wins convincingly. You might find that possibility remote. Okay, but let's say it happens. What then, what then now? Well, well, Luke, um, what I think Adesanya would be interested if he defeats Pedeta and doesn't need a kind of like rematch or anything there, um, would he want to run that back? I don't think there's anything to gain there. So for Vittoria, it would be huge. We, we would be stealing some of his thunder probably by talking about what would look like is a small decline coming off of the, you know, the second title chance there for Whitaker, but it would be about Vittori bouncing back in a big way, and he would, again, be right up in the front of that line looking either for a title shot or maybe a vacant title shot, Luke, because I really believe that. Luke, do you, are you on the same wavelength as me? I know you got a, a, a city kicking boner from here to Hanover, Ohio, but do you believe for Adesanya that this is probably it? Unless he loses a close one and they run it back at this division. I'm not creating that out of nothing, Luke. I'm feeling yeah. it. I see it. My thought is if Vittori wins, then there's really no chance he sticks around. Right? There's no chance. If Whitaker wins, right? And let's say Whitaker wins spectacularly and then does a post-fight chest banging, you know, ah, I'm, I, uh, you can't run from me, Izzy kind of speech or whatever. Yeah. Could I see an interest in a third fight from the UFC and potentially from Izzy himself, like, mm, yeah, I could actually. I could, I can't. but I think if Vittori wins, it's over. I can't because there's nothing to gain for Izzy at all. He's already beat him twice, Luke, and I don't think he's going to let himself... The circumstances were different, but I don't think he's going to let himself be pushed into another fight like Volkanovski ultimately had against Max. You know what I'm saying? I don't, I don't know the negotiations. I don't know what kind of, you know, at the end of the day, he took it, and God, he almost stopped Max. He beat the credit to him. But I think Izzy would have hung around for Sean Strickland, but now it's not happening anytime soon, Luke. So that's what I feel, okay? Maybe mm. if Izzy lost, it could be different. He'd want to get back in line. I don't know. But get ready at 205. I think the big gun's coming up again, Luke. Uh, fair enough. That will be interesting. Uh, also on this card, BC, there's not a ton to love. I will say Nathaniel Wood fighting at 145 against Charles Jordan. That's pretty good. Those two guys just fought both in July, I think on separate cards, or maybe it was the same one. But... Um, they both fought like six weeks ago or something, hardly at all. Here they are back on this card. Also, the gentleman who was like, yeah, Daniel Kinahan's a great guy. He's my neighbor. He mows my lawn. Fariz Ziam, he's back, uh, taking on a last-minute opponent. Yes, by the way, the, yes, Jordan and Wood were on the same card. You have John McDessie taking on Nasrat Hakparas. Dude, how is John McDessie still around right now? That's like a 2010 name, Luke. John McDessie? Yeah. Yeah, but he, I think he's coming off of a win, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, he got a, uh, he got a nice win over... Um, Bahamondes. Bahamondes. Let the rhythm take you over. Yeah, the guy who, who knocked the hell out of Roosevelt Roberts. Remember that one, Luke? Yes, I certainly do. Um, um, in any case, there how are you are not a bringing up decent fights. Bringing up the must-see man on this card, Luke. Dick Rico, brother. All right, Alessio DeShirico. He's lost four or five suddenly, Luke. Um, is this winner go home against Roman Kapilov? Probably. Also, you know, I doubt one's related to the other, but, like, the people who have, like, ultra-aggressive attitudes about the media tend to, I don't know, there's just a weird correlation between them not sticking around very long, so. Well, we'll <laughs> except for Dana White. Yeah, but even then, he does media. That's, you know what I mean? Like, that's the difference. Like, he, he disdains the media, but then he does a scrum after a uh, contender series. Like, at a bare minimum, he still does something, you know? Luke, is it, you know, I'm, I might be too close to this situation about this stupid four-minute video that's back. Should somebody have asked him about that at the scrum last night, or am I just, you know, stuck in my own headlines here? I mean, here's the thing. Like, with Dana, it's like, 
I don't know what the right answer is anymore because you know, yes, the, the answer is basically yes, right? Just as a matter of due diligence, you should do it. But at the same time, it's like, dude, what are you going to get? What kind of answer are you going to get? You're going to get, you know, nothing that you could trust as true. Um, just kind of grandstanding. All right, I'll be the guy. It. I'm going to tell you right now, I don't know if the interview is going to come on HQ, on this show, backstage at a UFC fight. Next time I see Dana, I'm going to interview him, and this will be the first question, Luke, okay? And I, but okay. what I'm going to do is I'm going to be coy. I'm going to go undercover and be like, yo, I, I love that you put that video out against these scumbags, right? And I'll go undercover, and I'll get him talking about it, Luke, and it'll bring down his guard, and then I'll get some of the details behind it, and then I'll hit him with, but yo, why are you lying about it? What's, why is this video completely untrue? You know what I mean? And we'll see what happens, Luke. Then I'll be... Um. I'll be covering the fights from the uh, parking lot. Yeah. Yeah, probably. Probably. Yeah. Uh, that's another reason probably I don't want to do it. Also, like, again, the, like the people who go to the fights, the, the, the media guys, like whoever hires them, they're not hiring them to get Dana mad. And you could say, well, getting Dana mad might be part of the job. Right. Not part of their job. Mm -mm. Um, you know, these, these corporate media folks... All they want is to have a great relationship with UFC so they can send fighters there or send uh, 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 media guys there to, you know, sort of document events but never really rock the boat. They're not charged with that particular job. They should be, but they're not. And so you want to lay some blame down on them, lay blame at the shoulders of their bosses who have zero interest in doing actual journalism. That's the, that's the result. That's now, fair. Uh, BC, one more note. Hold on. Let me get it out. Let me get it out. Let me get it yeah, out. Yeah, I don't want you to move on before we're done, Luke. So I have to put in these safeguards. I have to, you know, I have to set my boundaries here, Luke. Okay. I had another comment about this card. If you're, if we're still talking about this card, yes, then keep going. We are. We, right. we are. We're done. Right. Nasur, uh, Nasurdin Imavov at 185. It's on the prelims, taking on Joaquin Buckley. This is yes. one to watch right here. Yes. Imavov is very good. He has wins over Ian Heinish, who he stopped. He has wins over Edmund Shabazian, who he stopped. He does have a loss all the way back in 2021 to Phil Hawes, but he looks like a very good prospect. And you already know what time it is when Joaquin Buckley gets in there. And that dude, is a hell of a contest. I, I'm, I'm going to be honest with you. For this card being very top hit, like good on top, and you know, pretty good for a fight night. I mean, this is a glorified fight night card. It may not be deep, Luke, but it's got some heavy hitters on it. For this to be on the prelims, I just don't get it. If this is a victory here for Numanza, Joaquin Buckley, which I believe would be his fourth in a row... Does he finally start to get the respect, Luke? And I ask that because, let's be fair, we a lot of people first knew about him because of the incredible spinning knockout against uh, Kasangane, which is um, you know among the greatest in history. And then you see him kind of getting clowned publicly by Darren Till that time. I don't think he gets the respect yet as a potential viable contender in this division. He's more the highlight reel guy still. He's on the prelims here, Luke. But you win four in a row in this division. You start making some big noise, Luke. I, I, I'm starting to believe in this guy. Are you going to be with me if he pulls this off? Um, yes. Yes, I would. I think any kind of win streak, the way you're describing, is exceedingly difficult to come by. The opponent here makes that exceedingly difficult to come by. Yeah, I think I would be. I think it's a fair point completely. Mm -hmm. And he showed up to our live show, Luke. Okay, so shout out to New Manzo, all right? Also, Khalid Taha is taking on Christian, a late, late replacement, Christian Quinones. By the way, Khalid Taha from the great country of Lebanon. Just want to point that out. Here you go, BC. Oh, wow. See Look that? at that flag, Luke. Yeah, I got this in Byblos, Lebanon, um, uh, which 
the guys there tell me some of the first alphabet came from there. Which now, for anybody that doesn't out. know, what is your connection again to Lebanon? Is that the is that your mother's birth country? Yeah, that is my, my my mother was born in Syria, but she okay. was uh, a Lebanese national. Okay, yeah. all right. So you know, shout out Luke, right? You know, that's right. That's right. That's what right. you did. Uh, moving that. on from Thank that, you. let's talk about topic number two, BC. I think we froze. If are you're we, ready, are we still alive. TMZ has reported, and people are always like, you guys work at Showtime. They don't tell you anything. You can't be talking it's about fine. NATO until the show goes off no, the nothing rails. Nothing to Luke. confirm anyway. Um, Jake Paul is going to fight Anderson I mean, I could, Silva, could, according right to TMZ. TMZ's report is as follows. What they are saying is that um, 47-year-old Anderson Silva a good run regardless. will take on... All right. Yeah, sorry, Zoom is bugging out, so I missed all of that. I don't know what you did. Or you could have just uh, making hand puppets or some shit. I don't know if you can hear me or not. Uh, okay, in any event, we're going to get Anderson Silva apparently taking on Jake Paul. We don't have a date yet that I can see. What they are saying uh, is it could be in October. BC, your reaction to this report from TMZ? Sorry, Luke, about that issue. I was a little bit shut down there. I'm back at it. My reaction to, to the potential of a Jake Paul Anderson Silva fight, look, this is big. Well, you know, love him or hate him, as Dana White himself said when he was asked about it Tuesday night, this is a real fight, end quote. Now, Dana went on to say, stop effing asking me about this guy. I don't care. He's not in my business plan. But if you are in the Jake Paul business, if you are a lover or hater of him, this is the fight. No, it's not against a traditional real boxer. It's a retired MMA legend, arguably the greatest fighter in mixed martial arts history. But it is a guy who made that transition to boxing despite the age so perfectly. I mean, it beat Chavez Jr. that I think commercially, but most importantly, critically, Luke, Anderson Silva still, still has so much danger left in him given his size, speed, and experience that this is the make-or-break fight for Jake Paul and his future as a boxer. This is the fight that could end up being a KO loss or, or any kind of ending. This is also the fight that if he goes out there and wins it, could really be that boost of critical respect that he's been looking for, that he's slowly been acquiring in his escalation from, you know, the YouTube-like opponents to retired NBA greats to, you know, guys that have fought a bit like Tyron Woodley twice for sure. But Anderson Silva is just bigger and better in the sport they're actually going to fight, traditional boxing. That, Luke, I'm going to use the love him or hate him thing again because Jake is that polarizing. But whether you can get yourself pumped for him against, you know, Tommy Fury is one thing. If you can't get pumped for Jake Paul Anderson Silva and have to figure out where it's going to be, what date, and where you're going to be watching it, then I don't know if you like boxing or mixed martial arts because, as Dana said, it is true. There's a real-ass fight right here. There's real stakes in the future of Jake Paul being a thing because it could go badly right here. And for Anderson Silva, what a freaking victory lap. You know, he didn't necessarily get that in the UFC. He's getting that now, Luke. Uh, he would be everyone's hero, it seems, if he if he pulled this off and did what, what potentially could happen. The fact that I don't know who's going to win just adds to why I need to see this thing. Yeah, I got to tell you, I don't hate this at all. I don't. I really don't. If it's in fact true, I guess we'll find out soon enough. But assuming the report is true, I completely agree with your analysis, which is this is a make or break one. I mean, realize what would happen here. Let's say, let's just imagine a world where Jake Paul beats Anderson Silva. Not only would that be very validating, I think, for his claims about what he wants to be and who he is 
as an athlete, as a boxer. That would be about the best kind of validation to this point that he could have possibly had. And I think given who he's fought, the Nate Robinsons, the pre-diabetic gas station attendants on Twitch, or, you know, whatever, uh, the two Woodley fights, dude, Anderson Silva is multiple leagues, even at age 47, ahead of all of them in this particular kind of fight. So, so the credibility would be pretty big at that point. But beyond that, you have to understand what it might do commercially for him. Jake Paul would break the hearts of every MMA fan on earth if he ends up beating Anderson Silva or worse, knocks him out, stops him via TKO, whatever that might be. You could, I mean, he would end up getting their begrudging respect, but they would fucking hate him to the nth degree. Conversely, while Anderson Silva already has captured the hearts and, and certainly the imaginations of MMA fans, they would love nothing more than the spider before he rides off into the sunset to beat a guy who has been trolling the MMA community quite effectively, I would might add, but, but been trolling the MMA community for a very long time and playing them and using them and, and, and whatever else you want to say. For Silva to knock him out, oh my lord. I can't think of the last win he would have that would boost the, the, the glowing sentiment around him in a way that that win might. So in every way, commercially, you got an A name and a B name. In terms of the stakes, the odds makers will have it close. I'll talk about that in a second. Seems competitive-ish on paper. It's the right kind of escalation for Jake Paul. It's the right kind of money-making opportunity for Anderson Silva. Dude, this is, again, assuming it is true... This is very clever matchmaking, it's and great. I don't see what the problem with it is. And you have to ask yourself, you know, given that the Tommy Fury fight fell apart, then the Rockman fight p- fell apart, is Jake doing this, you know, not because he has to, he doesn't have to, but has that fueled his, or sped up him saying, look, all right, I'm going to really test myself, let's cash it in. Because, Luke, I say cash it in because outside of fighting Mike Tyson or a legitimate UFC star under contract that's on the level of Conor Diaz Masvidal. You get what I'm saying there? This is the biggest fight he can make for himself. I mean, it really is, without question. I mean, I'm trying to think of the boxing equivalent in the love and royalty that Anderson Silva represents to MMA. Like, maybe Sugar Ray Leonard is the right comparison. Like, Anderson Silva is not, like, out here doing this because he has to, because he needs the money, and he's reckless and broke down. He's kind of just taken a victory lap because he was so freaking sublime through his whole career that at 47, he's not that far removed from it. Like, the fact that we're talking about Jake Paul would finally get the critical validation he was seeking against a 47-year-old retired cage fighter, like, it doesn't make sense. But again, it makes sense only because it's Anderson Silva. And he really does still have it, so to speak, in the standpoint of trying this type of transition. And, I mean, you know, it blew away somebody like Tito Ortiz who probably shouldn't have been in the cage. But however Wash Chavez Jr. is, and look, he is, let's be fair, Anderson looked like a real boxer against him. And Anderson Silva is loved in a way by MMA fans that, like, it goes beyond your typical retired UFC fighter who's trying to do this for money and clicks. Like, I think people are going to come out of the woodwork for this fight because Anderson has that GSP level, that that just royalty air of, like, Oh, you know, Floyd level, to be really fair. Like, oh, he's going to be in this fight, and it's going to be a a competitive good one. I got to see it. Um, This has everything. It really does. It has everything. And um, I don't know how it's going to look for Jake, but I give him credit for signing on the dotted line. You know, the equivalent of this fight in boxing in terms of the the danger he's taken, Luke, 
it, it would have come in boxing against somebody that doesn't have this name value. So to get the same level of challenge in a way, you know, like th- this is, it is time for him to fight a real boxer. This is close enough to being a real boxer without, you know, not being, but still being a massive celebrity and having a chance to win. I, I'm fired up for this, really. Um, it, we're going to find out what's next for Jake and if he's really for real the same moment he will. And I don't think that's disrespect or I think that's actually what's going to happen here. Like, I don't know if Jake's going to fight this fight and then never fight again and go make movies or wrestle or whatever he's going to do. He's probably going to come up with fresh new ideas and do it. He's that type of dude. But this could be the end of the line, Luke. I mean, it really has that potential. So I'm going to officially give him the credit he deserves for saying, I couldn't make those other fights. All right, let's make this one. The time is now. Because, Luke, the time is now. This is the fight to make in this weird celebrity silo if he wants to cross back into the real boxing, you know, territory. Now, I got something kind of interesting here. I got these odds from uh, Bet Online. It's a company, right? So they've got the odds on a Jake Paul versus Anderson Silva fight. They have Jake Paul as an, barely an underdog at plus 100, Anderson Silva as an underdog at minus 130. Now, I certainly understand, again, these odds are going to be in a way to induce betting, um, and they'll move over time. There's a lot of different ways in which that's not a real reflection of reality. However, i got to say something. I find that kind of shocking. Two things to think about. One, if Anderson Silva goes in there and does what I think is very likely, and let's say knocks Jake Paul out and potentially even viciously, this whole Jake Paul thing could go up in smoke on one night, right? He's trying to escalate in a noble way, and you have to give him credit for that. Like, you, you can't say he's go- what, to go from Tommy Fury to Asim Rockman Jr. to Anderson Silva, that's an escalation, not a, not, not a de escalation, right? So, there, that's the first thing I would say. Uh, but it carries significant consequence because if you lose to a guy like Anderson Silva who can viciously put people's lights out, even in just boxing, real bad shit could happen to a guy who may not be ready for it. Okay? Second thing I would say is let me peel back the curtain a little bit. My bosses at CBS came to me several weeks ago, and this was their idea before the Rockman fight was canceled. And they said, we want you to do a dissected on Jake Paul. And I was like, no fucking way. And they're like, no, we really want you to do one. So I did. I did a dissected off the two Woodley fights, and I made it before the Rockman fight. And of course, the Rockman fight never happened, so that thing is sitting on ice. But I did do the tape study, BC, and I'm going to repurpose it for this Anderson Silva fight if and when it gets officially announced. Let me tell you something. I can't believe these odds are as close as they are having watched the tape on Paul. Now, to be very fair, the difference between what he showed in the first and second fight in a lot of important respects is big. There are real, clear, meaningful improvements you can see from the first to the second Woodley fights that will tell you that there's probably going to be a lot of improvement from that one to this one. However, there are also a number of very distressing concerns I would have if I was training a guy like that to go up against even a 47-year-old Anderson Silva, especially as that fight goes long and the bad habits begin to repeat themselves. Uh, BC, I don't know if you saw that dissected that I did, but I got to tell you, I look at these odds and I almost laughed. I couldn't believe how close they are. I'm going to go ahead and say, unless something crazy happens between now and then, my official prediction is that Anderson Silva is going to probably walk all over him. Um, I, mean, I would be play. shocked if anything else happened. Yeah, it's in play. If you're asking me, is it more likely than that happens than anything else? At this point, I, I will agree with you in that regard. I am a little bit surprised by the odds, and sometimes, again, they're floated to you know, induce a certain level of activity in any, any direction. But um, 
the the rumor out there is that that they're targeting 185, which would be the the lowest weight I believe yet for Jake, who's been hovering in the low 190s. And for Anderson, so it would be his prime middleweight weight. But Luke, not only are they, you know, the closest in size of any Jake Paul opponent to date. I mean, we've seen Anderson Silva succeed at the 205 level against very good competition. So the speed, the experience, but I think most importantly, what has Anderson done in the boxing realm so far that has impressed me the most? Okay, my second answer would be footwork. His ability to, you know, like, you know, even though Tyron Woodley, like I got to give Tyron Woodley credit, like he really went after it. And, you know, the second fight was slow and tedious, but I think he, he made it that way, technically. But Anderson already has those foundational technique elements, but then he's got that plus element of not just power or, or speed and power mixed together, but, Luke, hitting you with punches you don't see coming, hitting you with spectacular right. punches. That proved against Tito Ortiz to be a, you know, a mop-up. Like, shouldn't have even been in the same ring together. Jake Paul's better than Tito Ortiz, of course. And Jake Paul, you know, has some, some good foundational elements to his game around the ideas of defense and knowing what he's doing. But Anderson could still, you know, F around and, and, and do something crazy in there that he's not going to see coming. And I think that is the biggest danger to him in this fight. Like, I'm trying to figure out, is it going to be better to, for Jake to use his youth and size and try to box from different distance and live and die by that jab? Or is it better for him to try to fight Anderson Silva at a high pace? Uh, I don't know if I like both roads, Luke. You know what yeah, I'm saying? I, I, I'm, not, I'm not sure where he beats him. In close... Silva's ability to roll and counter is, again, relative to what we're talking about, significantly more advanced. And at distance, like again, I mean, unless Silva at 47 is completely compromised by age, which I suppose, you know, that is certainly a thing we have to consider. But even what you saw against Tito, even what you saw against Julio Cesar Chavez, dude, that guy, that guy should be very capable of putting Jake Paul away. And you said Tyron really went for it in those first two fights. I really disagree with that. To the nth degree, I think. No, I didn't say he went happened. for it. I said he went. Okay, I did say he went for it. I meant went for it, meaning he commit. Here's my explanation of that. He committed, so he went for it in the training and preparation to actually try to box. Meaning he didn't go in there as an MMA fighter looking to just throw oh, hands. Yes. He actually tried to box. Did he have huge success of it? Well, look, he rocked Jake in the first fight, and in the second fight, he was arguably winning on the cards in an actual almost amateur technical match. So I think he went for it in the technique. His unwillingness to go for it either fight in the offense is what I think cost him, although you could argue it would have gassed him out too. Again, Luke, Anderson much more equipped in each category than Tyron Woodley ever would have been, including size and things like that, that, yeah, this makes it a tough fight. So that's just two men's opinion that Anderson should be the favorite and that this could be an uphill climb for him. But watching the build to this, if it happens, Luke, and watching the fight, it is going to be interesting to see what Jake Paul and company do because he has legitimate boxing minds in and around his corner and has for a while. Uh, you know, ex-fighters like Jaylion Love, BJ Flores, it's going to be on them to use the skills, the size, the youth, the power, to be fair, that he does have and try to carve out that path to victory. And Luke, this also gives Jake huge potential to, to, you know, not only potential, he hasn't really had to come back from much besides getting rocked by Woodley and then he got cut. So there was some, you know, there was some troubled waters there that he, I thought he navigated well in the first fight. But he may, you know, he has, even in a loss, he has an opportunity to really win our respect 
if he goes in there and if things don't go his way and then he's got to stand in and fight his way out, Luke, which I think, you know, entertainment wise is what everybody wants to see. But um, he may, is there, I guess I set this up to say, we kind of know the limits of his technique and actual boxing ability. Is there another gear in Jake Paul that he hasn't had to use yet that we could end up coming out of that fight being being surprised that we overlooked that? Because he is so much younger than Anderson. I, you know, I tend to say it's not that big of a deal. What do you say? Gear, I don't know. I mean, that second Woodley fight, the knockout is one of the best knockouts you'll see. I mean, it was spectacular in every way, but the fight before that was dreadful. It was really bad. Um, and it was really bad for both of their faults. It wasn't just Jake Paul's. Tyrone played a role in that as well. But another gear, no. I think the thing you might want to look at for Jake Paul's chances is... Silva might play it somewhat conservatively up front. Jake Paul might be active up front. And the difference between Jake Paul in the second Woodley fight to now, which sometime has elapsed since then, you know, a guy that young training that hard can make a lot of improvement, right? So he'll just be a different guy. He'll have more tools. But here's what I think is really going to undo him. I'm not going to tell you what these are because I want to redo the video related to this one if and when it gets announced. There are two or three really bad habits he has. And in the second Woodley fight, you don't see them up until about the third or fourth round when things begin to, he gets tired and the discipline goes away and then all the bad habits come back. You know, there, I don't know how many rounds this fight will be, likely eight. We'll have to see what any commission does or approves if it ends up getting this far. But I would be, you know, the first half, you might be able to see Jake Paul do some things where he could claim a couple rounds. But I think as that fight goes on and he gets undisciplined and the difference in all the training shows up, again, assuming age hasn't utterly crippled Anderson Silva, I think the second half of that fight is going to be real bad for him. Real bad for him. So um, for him to win, I think would be incredible. I think I, if yeah. Jake Paul wins, he would, uh, and I'm going to say this, I, I, you know, even if Anderson Silva wins, he'd have my respect. If Jake Paul wins, he will very much have earned my respect. No and any MMA fan who's been a critic of his should be willing to say that as much as well. I would rather see him try to potentially fight his way out of trouble than, you know, go the scorecards in a defeat if it turns out to not be his night. I want to see him give himself, the younger guy, the fighting chance, but I do think he's going to have to really come up with a smart boxing game plan and try to stay as firmly rooted in the in the fundamentals as he can, Luke, to try to set up and give himself a chance here. Um, it's going to be fun, dude. I, I when, You know, once you heard these whispers, are like, is this is this really potentially possible here? I got, I got very excited. This is a massive escalation from the fights that we were talking about, and that's not just in danger output. It's entertainment value. It's personalities. You know, it's like it's like now we're talking about like okay, what does this do? What what would a, the potential of a win here do for Anderson? Like, in some ways, not much. You know, outside of money, but in terms of like that that potential for victory lap, like we talk about. I mean, you know. He's, he's going up there against one of the most polarizing people of the day, Luke. This is like, you know, you we could put a little, another candle and some more whipped cream on top of his folk hero mountain and keep building, Luke. Um, people are going to love this guy if he comes out of here with a W. All right, topic number three. Let's move on. Uh, BC's favorite fighter ever, of course, has been retired now for some time, but shared some details about it, speaking to a fans in uh, at an appearance in Russia, Zabit Magomed Sharapov spoke out, and he says the following, quote, the main reason was that I, w I was not able to fight, he said. 
The UFC didn't give me a title shot. They promised me one thing and did another. They promised me and didn't keep a promise. That was the main reason why I got mad. BC, I, it sounds so out of character that the, a fighter would complain about the UFC promising <laughs> them something and then not doing it. I can't believe yeah. it finally happened to someone. What do you make of all this? It's hard. I mean, like, like two things came out of here. We'll get to the second part of it of if he would come back. But this was I, I, the big one that jumped at me. His first time we're really hearing him talk. And it's like when you hear this at face value, you're like, so they said at one point you were probably next for a title shot. You didn't get that title shot. So, you know. You just go walk away for good. I know there were other things, there were injuries, but in some level, you know, that's conviction. That's Habib level conviction to promise mother and father and, and carry it through. But is it delusion though? I mean, I don't know. He says after beating Cater, he was in that title picture and was promised. You know, I mean, they can use the the false promise at times, Luke, for leverage or to motivate somebody, or sometimes business and plans change. So it's hard to be live or die firm on that. We did know, right, didn't he have really, really bad COVID, and that's what started this process? Yes, of, he was it, one of the guys that got really bad COVID. Okay, yeah. so, I mean, you know, a lot other stuff beyond that. I tend to think it's a combination of all of that as to why he didn't return. And look, if, if he wants to go to the medical room, become a doctor, it's noble. I give him that. What I think you don't want to see is the potential of him coming back if he's not 100% mentally and physically into it and he isn't caught up on things like being so upset if he was, wasn't was given a time. Like, I, I don't like that excuse. Now, was it just part of the interview? Was it taken and translated? I don't know the full factors of the interview. I tend to not love that, Luke, that, that way of thinking. You know, they didn't fulfill on a promise, so I'm just going to walk. But um, there is, if you're asking me, is there a chance, Luke? Tell me if I'm wrong from the the quote you're about to read. I feel like he's getting itchy here, like he might want to come back. I feel like it, Luke. So he was asked about potentially coming back to your point, and he says the following, quote, I want to do it when I see someone fighting. When I join their training camp, me and other friends, there could be a wish. I have to think. I'm going to think about your question. I, I tend to think that's bullshit, but you seem to think that there might be more to the story there. Well, not that there's more to the story or that I have intel. I don't, but I'm saying, you know, you know that old phrase, you hang around a barbershop long enough, you're bound to get a haircut, Luke, that our parents would tell us to try to, to get us not hanging out with those kids that probably wore drug rugs, to be fair. But, um, you know, he does train, help train guys and help people out and spar and all that. Uh, dude, he's young enough still. Is he 32-ish? He's young enough still where if he went all in and came back, there's still time. He still has a unique you know, combination of skills. Um, but I would want him to do it with real fire and passion. And if that fire and passion is to prove UFC wrong, then that'd be great, you know? But but um, I don't know if he really wants it anymore from what we've seen, Luke. I don't know the how devastating the, you know, the COVID battles were. I mean, there are a lot of people walking around with receipts from those COVID battles still, Luke, and it's, it sucks. It, and, you know, it doesn't matter if he, you know, his age in that regard. But um, if he wants to, Luke, he is the greatest of all time. Is he not, Luke? I mean, you know. Yeah, here's his UFC resume. He submitted Mike Santiago. He submitted Shaman Moraes. He decisioned Kyle Bokniak. He knee-barred Brandon Davis. He decisioned Jeremy Stevens, and he decisioned Calvin Cater. That's your goat? 
I mean, it, I'm I'm having fun with it. Of course, I'm romanticizing the potential. He is that you know. I mean, rock he's obviously star. very very good. Yes, of he course, is that rock star who goat. he's part of the 27 Club. It seems you know died young before he could really put out those bloated shitty albums to fill out the record contract. I don't know if he was gonna ever be that good in reality. I know people love that third round against Cater as the uh, as the what the loaded glo- the the tit what are you, what's the word what's the law term for that Luke the for smoking what? gun is that where I'm gun. going here maybe I don't know. Okay, um, I don't tend to believe in that same smoking gun, okay? Um, I want to see what, him... What band rebounded best after losing their lead singer or some kind of band member, you know, due okay. to some tragic accident? Is the answer ACDC? It has to be, right? Uh, I, I would say outright yes, but I do think Van Halen slash Van Hagar's in that Ooh. conversation. Um, there's been bigger name. There's been big name bands that have done this to like slighter degrees, replaced the singer later in the career, but nothing compares to ACDC because the volume of top shelf albums they'd already put out with Bon Scott, and yet the new guy might actually be better long term. I know that's that's sacrilege to a lot of people, the the hard OG fans who are you know Bon Scott life or death, and he did set the tone of that band just as much as the Young Brothers for craziness and you know and he went out on a sword so to speak in the rock and roll <laughs> lifestyle. But damn, Luke Brian Johnson's great. I mean, you know, Back in Black might be the greatest album front to back in the history of rock and roll in terms of not having a pimple on the ass cheek, just all killer, just no freaking filler i mean put on have a drink on me right now and you'll be like damn that sounds fresh it sounds like it just sounds incredible get stoned you know luke um the whole the whole thing this i just want to go through the the tracks right here like this is the back in black album Top to bottom. Are you this ready? Is this is his debut album with the new band. I know some of the songs yeah. have been pre-written and all that. I'm not saying Brian Johnson came in and walked on water. But look at this, Luke. Okay. Number one, Hell's Bells. Okay. Two, Shoot to Thrill. Fucking amazing song. Three, What Do You Do for Money, Honey? An underrated one. Four, Give Given the Dog a Bone, which is okay. Not my favorite. No, it's great. It's great. Come on. Okay. Five, Let Me Put My Love Into You. <laughs> which, which, Luke, I actually think that's the best song in the album. That, seriously. Dude. Oh, well, that's just me. bullshit because let track six, me. Back in Black, Need I Say More. Track, sh- track seven, You Shook Me All Night Long. I mean, just those yeah. two songs. Most bands never have two songs that are that good, that go that big. They had them back-to-back in the album. Eight, Have a Drink on Me, another great one. Nine, Shake a Leg, decent. And then ten, Rock and Roll Ain't Noise Pollution. Are Which you fucking kidding badass. me? badass. That's a great closer, by the way. And I saw them at you know 2001 at MSG, and it changed, you know, blew me away. But here's the deal, Luke. I think Bon Scott, as a, as a whole has a better collection of albums than Brian Johnson without question. Although I do like some of these sort of mini comebacks ACDC made with Brian Johnson through the years. Um, the late eighties run was great for, especially, I mean, dude, every, any album that has the word balls in it. I've loved it. But the problem, even though I am a massive Van Halen guy and also Van Hagar is as great as Van Hagar was Luke. It's so this is London, this is Tokyo, to what David Lee Roth was, that it's hard to make the same argument. And I do love Van Hagar, and shout out, Luke, but that's a completely different band than David Lee Roth, Van Halen, and David Lee Roth, Van Halen is in reality so much freaking better than Van Hagar that I think the answer has to be ACDC for this question, Luke. Yeah, I mean, just to come back after losing your lead singer, not in some kind of band dispute, but because the guy accidentally killed himself from drinking too much, basically. 
Do you think uh, Fleetwood Mac's in this discussion because they had a long career under Peter Green before Lindsey Buckingham and, and uh, Stevie Nicks came and changed them? I don't give a shit about that band. All right, well, that's great. it was great talking <laughs> classic rock with you. I held, I held you for a while. Uh, Luke, final question regarding the Zabit. I can't talk about him because I'm in too deep, Luke. Okay, I'm elbow. Okay. I'm like Vince Carter hanging on the rim in 2000 in Golden State at the dunk contest. Um, if he did come back, like, would it end with him fighting for a title? In your eyes, in your skeptical, dark eyes, Luke. Like if he really made a push? If he really went all freaking in, could he get to the title shot in your eyes? Yes. Yes, I think he could. Okay. But if for no other reason, he'd be a fresh challenger, right? Because Volkanovski is probably going to have it for a little while longer. Well, the, the for no other win. reason is that he's also fucking awesome. Okay, Luke, so let's not forget that, okay? Yeah, what's his best win? Jeremy Stevens? Calvin Cater, baby. Yeah, but that one was, it got dicey at the end. So, you know. My career's had some dicey moments too, Luke, but look at me now, all right? Uh, all right, topic number four. We don't have to spend a whole lot of time on this. I just thought it was kind of interesting. Officially, we knew this before. They had announced it in January, but the shoes came out yesterday. It was a bigger, broader um, debut of the relationship. Project Rock, which I believe is the company founded by Dwayne Johnson, also known as The Rock. Uh, we, again, they had announced a partnership in January to be the footwork company because you'll recall Venom was going to be the kit provider after Reebok, but they don't really make shoes. They make boxing shoes, but they don't make like apparel shoes in that way. So they had to get a separate kind of shoemaker and they had to deal with uh, Project Rock. I guess Reebok had hung on until more recently and the shoes came out. I don't know if we have any photos of the shoes. If you do, I'd love to take a look at them. BC, first question, did you see them? Did you like them? They look, I got to tell you, they look like they won't get you made fun of in high school, but they're not, you know, they look, I don't know, they look slightly better than generic is what I would say. They look like you can take the Brahma Bowl logo off of them and put the letters NB on them, Luke, and your father would probably wear them, right? That's what they look like. <laughs> I don't think they look that bad. They're not like the Chef Curry, you know, lawnmower dad things are they i mean they really ain't great luke they ain't that. great just the same i'm not a sneakerhead but they ain't great luke okay what's worse project rock ufc shoes or british knight dimacells oh god those were so lame and dude and i had i had the la gear equivalent to those dimacells too like it's like this this the third rate version of a third rate sneaker to begin with damn um yeah probably <laughs> probably the british knights luke because you know that for a minute that dimacell shit i it you know it sold some people you know Dude, what was worse, British Knight Dimacells or L.A. Gear? I mean, that's really uh, they a tough both, competition. They both trick you into believing. It's like, you know, they trick you into believing that there's a C cup under there, Luke, and then you get under, and then, you know, it's, <laughs> you know, you know, you know, you, it's, it's you, some, we've all it's been there, bullshit. Luke, okay, you know. Dude, I had a single mom. Obviously, you know, my parents were divorced, and then it got weird for a time, so it was a while when my mom was having to buy me my shoes. Bro. Like, I'm, I, my kid is going to grow up in a world where she never has to worry about this. I fucking hope. But so far, so good. But my parents, dude, God, I've told the story a million times. I'm not going to retell it. But I've had some nubber-ass shoes that you just walk in the room and the kids are just fucking pointing and laughing. Yeah. Meanwhile, all, my, all the kids in my class had, like, Air Pegasus. Remember Air Pegasus? Those were the fucking oh, jam yeah. back in the day. And your boy's out there going to pay less shoe stores, buying okay. just nubber shit. I lived that, meaning 7th and 8th grade, uh, uh, change in my dad's job meant like we had less money for the first time ever, and we were I was wearing LA gears. I know during a time, and it may not matter in hindsight, it sounds stupid,
could even retell the story. But during the time, Luke, your social standing in middle school did depend upon Everything. the love. Everything like, hinged on You it. saw nerds who bought Air Jordans are suddenly considered cool, and you know, you're getting buried because you're wearing LA gear. So I've lived that. So which shoe during that run broke your heart the most that you had no chance of buying because your mom's budget was probably like 35 bucks and these were like 115 you know so again i've told the story before the big one was when my dad bought me and my brother a pair at the very peak of cool of the reebok pump when it had the little um the d brown uh, ones you talking about the black i I don't remember i don't remember which one they were but it was the one when the tongue had the little basketball on it yeah you could pump the basketball up and then my my dad got us for us and then my mom made him return it and i I never wore them once that that one broke my heart but the one that i always coveted that i never got a chance until i was an adult were not even the jordans the nike air maxes with the big bubble on them that just looked like you were a fucking astronaut you know they were great my my biggest heartbreak were those uh nike hair air harachis that came out in 92 chris weber wore them for michigan leitner wore them for duke they were white but they had the purple and black uh sort of backing on them and um i I think a lot of people wanted those jordan bugs bunny ones those were bullshit luke i don't want anything to do with that i wanted when nike tried to rival those original pumps you're talking about by coming out with the force david robinson ones that had the pump up up next to the tongue it was a little weird and it didn't quite work but they were white with green and black dude don't don't lie david robinson his first two years before we realized that he was like you know white toast bread and butter toast white toast like in terms of his personality he was like the coolest guy ever based on those commercials dude with those oh, shoes the fucking admiral was the man mr robinson's neighborhood all the highlights are him dunking on fools like he was the man luke he was i remember when the shacks came out too they had a little cartridge you could use to pump them up i didn't have those either yo did you yeah could you vape in those that cartridge and then stick it back in your know. shoe Dude, I told you this one too. I, my, the one year where I was like halfway decent at basketball, my eighth grade year, I made the team, and then the team all bought Nikes to like for the thing, and my mom refused to buy them, oh, and I had to wear these like the colors didn't even match. Fucking New Balance basketball shoes in 1994 couldn't have looked worse. Biggest piece of shit on earth. Yeah. So Thanks. now it's like, dude, like I I can't do this to my daughter because it fucked me up mentally for life. Where like constantly not having the cool shit. Made me just want to get only the cool shit by the time I had any little bit of money, which is not a healthy way to shop either. So I'm just going to make sure my daughter has cool shit reasonably throughout the course of her life so she doesn't oh, like... Oh, just stop. You're going to give her everything like she addict. wants for the rest of your her life, no matter what, and you know it, Luke. Okay? She's got you. Yo, Tuki owns you. Probably. Probably. All right. Luke, the last one I want to yo, make Tuki about this is VCs. In all serious question, and it's true about Project Rock, it's true about Venom as well. Reebok got assassinated by fans at every single turn. Yes, for a lot of their own failings, including but not limited to multiple spelling errors and just not having a culture of understanding the combat sports world all that well. Venom and now Project Rock seem to be largely escaping these similar kinds of criticisms. And yet, you know, it's very funny to me that The Rock puts out a highlight reel when this was initially announced. This is when he had the back and forth with me. And it's like, oh... I wanted to thank the fighters for their, you know, walking the walk. It's like, you want to thank them, you can give them a fucking raise, Rock, which he did not do, (laughs) which he did not do. It's like, yeah, no wonder you're putting out a tribute video. You're not doing a fucking other thing for them. But in all seriousness, Venom doesn't catch heat for this either. BC, why did Reebok get assassinated and Venom and Project Rock are not getting any criticisms for doing basically the exact same thing? Because... It, the wound was fresher when Reebok came. This is why I always say this, and you say you don't care, but I think you're. you're I'm going to be proven right. 
The Reebok era will age like a fine wine in terms of when we look back. When you see highlights of fights in the Reebok era that just looks more uniformed and, and eye, better eye-pleasing and not fucking Venom. I mean, it just looks good. So you're asking me why did they get maligned in ways the other ones are? Because they came at the time and were the reason that fighters didn't suddenly lost a giant stream of income that they were used to. And the deal, you know, it wasn't even their deal probably. It was probably UFC's deal, but the way the deal worked out, right, they couldn't, you couldn't have dynamic fasteners on your crotch anymore or hold up the banner of dude wipes or whatever. Look, you get the point. I don't think that was Reebok's fault per se. It was the UFC really, really closing. You know, I know they had the, the, some fighters got paid by Reebok, but it was, you know, different, different levels of that. Um, I think that's not Reebok's fault. And I think they put out a better product. So I think we'll look back more favorably on it, but why doesn't people talk about it? I don't, Luke, I feel like some of the times when the fans, when we do videos and the fans hit the comments, and sometimes I'll see them and I'll look at it because I'm, yeah, I'm not going to avoid that. I'm not going to avoid that, Luke. Um, and they're like, guys, stop talking about fucking fighter pay. Fans don't care about that. I do think they're right more than they're wrong on that. I think, you know, 70% of fans don't give a freaking damn about that. So I think yeah, that's also people part of think it. that the show is strictly designed for them. Like in their individual preferences, it's not. Some things are designed for their individual preferences. What would the audience really like to see? It's a very pertinent and important question. If you don't ask it constantly, your show won't be around very long. Fair enough. But we also cover topics that are of just importance for the public to know whether they care or not. And fighter pay is extremely important, not merely because of the pay itself and how it affects the sport, but because what it signifies as a power imbalance in a very dangerous sport where the guys who are asked to do the most dangerous shit had the least amount of control over that as a consequence. Whether or not individual members of our viewing audience care or not, to me, about the, given the significance of that issue, is matter-of-factly irrelevant. I, I would fully agree with that, but I do, do think it explains the answer of why does nobody really care about that now. I don't think people really care at the end of the day, but I do think you you need to put some respect back on Reebok's name, Luke. They put out the best product so far, and all they do is get shit Actually, on Actually, I think the Venom, well, the, the Project Rock shoes are terrible pieces of shit. But if you're going to say Venom, you think Venom looks better than Reebok, get out of here, Luke. Get yeah, I think, the Venom, I think the Venom kits look way better than the no, Reebok kits. No, not even close, Luke. Okay? Really? I mean, you think they're that? They look better? I mean, I, I think this is a stupid enough topic that we, if we waste any more time arguing it, we'll probably get turned off anyway. But yeah, um, yeah. no, I think Reebok looks uniform and professional. I think Venom looks ridiculous, Luke. Thank you. All right. Well, you are blind, but that's okay. Uh, all right. Topic number five. Let's do some quick hitters here very, very fast, BC. We start with Sean Strickland. He is out of his October 15th event, or a, a fight, I should say, on the October 15th event versus Jared Cannonier due to Strickland's finger infection. Do we have a picture of this? I'm really hoping I hope that we not. do. I've avoided it this whole time, Luke. Everyone said, don't look at it. We do not. Have you seen it? <laughs> all right. That's my fault, or that's the producer's fault, but we should have had a picture of that. Yes. Uh, yes, I have seen the... I, yes, it looked terrible, and he let it... Like, dude, I, well, tell me... Let me explain something to you. Why do, like... I understand the the idea that, oh, if I don't need medical care, then I'm not going to go seek medical care, right? Fair enough. I get that impulse. But, motherfucker, your finger needed medical care. Yeah. <laughs> Why are you still putting off medical care in that scenario? That's the part to me it's like I don't – like if you don't want to go to the doctor for frivolous reasons, fine – that thing looked like it was being eaten alive by maggots. Like, you needed to take that thing to the doctor 
fucking seven weeks ago, my guy. I mean, I would say the same thing about Corey Anderson's middle finger knuckle, Luke, but that's another story there. Dude, um, was that? I mean, that thing. That thing's a lethal weapon. He's got. I can't those really hands. criticize Strickland here based on the history of my toes and liver, Luke. So maybe I'll just take the Ellen Ball out. All right. All right. Uh, Dana White spoke to Jim Rome. He was asked about Habib. He said, "Quote: It's funny you asked, or it's weird you asked that question. I just reached out to him recently." to see if he's interested in something, and he was like, I'm retired, brother. I'm done. I don't think Habib ever comes back. It was something different. I was trying to get him to do a grappling match. He's like, I'm done. I'm retired. I think that when his father passed away, that was a wrap for him, and he's just focused on training other guys and helping them become world champions. BC, Habib wouldn't even do a grappling match. Can you believe that? Um, I can because this is a man of conviction, and even anytime I've thrown out, you know, situations mythical situations and these stupid filler games we do bringing up the idea of habib coming back always in the back of my mind i'm like there's no fucking chance he's coming back you know even if if you know mahachev gets you know killed by by someone's spinning kick no he's not and i and i i respect that dude i really really respect that i mean yeah, it's impressive i mean dude he's a it's hard. It's really hard to hate on habib i mean you know off camera luke sometimes i question like like r.i.p kobe and i'm not gonna do the bit you think i'm doing but like people, uh, you're, you're you're already doing the bit. I I'm not doing the bit do. you think I'm doing. But like you know, okay. But people are like coming out and being like, no, that that's my guy. Like I I you know I use him for daily motivation today, Luke. I you know I don't get that necessarily, but people start doing that for Habib, Luke. It, it the the glove fits. You know what I'm saying, Luke? Okay. Uh, a third. No, could you see that? Is he an inspirational figure to you? And I to me, he is Luke. Who? Habib. Um, inspirational is a strong word. I have respect for his career. Like, I'm not saying perfect and I align with everything he's ever done or said. I mean, I just look at him work ethic wise and conviction wise as like, I got a lot of respect for that guy. Like I, you know, I, yes, yes. But as people, I separate what the people do as professional accomplishments from who they are as people. Okay. I have a great degree of respect for his professional accomplishment. I don't have much to say beyond that. Uh, all right, Paul Acosta undergoes hand surgery. He explained this on his YouTube channel, quote, I broke my hand in the fight. I thought I had a bone injury or maybe ligaments, but what really happened was a fracture to the metacarpal bone. I hoped it wasn't a fracture because then I'd be able to come back fighting again in 50 or 60 days and use all the conditioning that, for he, that he had done for the camp with Rockhold. Looks like he might be out a little bit longer. Still, though, BC, a little bit unclear about what's going to happen at middleweight. Remember, Vittori already has a win since his loss to Izzy where he beat Paul Acosta... So maybe not the end of the world. No, it just slows momentum. I mean, granted, I didn't think this would be the bone injury we were talking about coming to that first fight, Luke, right? You know, it's like coming out of that last fight. It's like, you know, if you, if you have an erection for four days, please seek. Uh, yeah, please. Uh, you got my point there. Um, Dude, we should just change. We should do a, like instead of doing room service diaries, we should just have fighters on to talk about their dicks. And you can host. <laughs> I mean, look, it, it, unfortunately, we're there. We're already there. OK, we're, that's, we're already there. That's pretty. Room you know, you can blame me. It just, you know, you can blame me, Luke, for that that that's fine but I, i'm not necessarily on board with it like you think i am all right uh i don't know you're pretty fucking <laughs> I, mean, I mean i drove the bus into that ditch willingly but you you know did i did i feel great about it not necessarily okay <laughs> not necessarily all right i did it all Ro for the nookie luke you know that. <clears throat> robert whitaker entertaining a move this was amazing to 205 potentially towards the end of his career quote what he told this to submission radio shouts at submission radio when I moved up to 185 the first time, there was no way I would ever go back down to 170. I could never. Got to put on muscle. You have to train that at that weight. Got to do all the bits and bobs there and, and here. 
But I've been thinking about 205. I think it will be more natural weight for me personally, but the height disadvantage is annoying. I don't know if I would want to deal with that. Once I make the decision to go up to 205, I'm there, he said. That'll be my division. I'd finish my career there for better or worse. I'm doing really well at 185, really well. I'm definitely one of the most dangerous men in the division. So it doesn't sound imminent, BC, but would you like him to finish his career at 205 pounds? No, no. And first of all, Luke, I got to give you credit. I thought you ad-libbed that bits and bots part. That was actually in the quote. I thought you were like, yeah. your southern charm came out accidentally, Luke. But um, no, I don't I don't feel like this is a great idea. I just think by like size-wise in his core and what his core skill set is. And by the way, my clairvoyance has allowed me to realize this is a moot point ultimately because he'll be fighting for that vacant middleweight title but if that doesn't you know come to tradition nostradamusly i i do have questions about that size difference being a you know a former welterweight here um i i mean some guys you know we can have that thought and then it doesn't matter i mean look at frankie edgar all the way as high as a lightweight champion like it just, for some guys it's just not going to matter is he this type of guy at this point in his career where the size difference won't matter luke uh, no, size difference will almost always matter, at least yeah. eventually, right? At yeah. least eventually. Yeah. Um, all right. Speaking of size, Rampage Jackson wants one more, BC. <laughs> a boxing match with the cannon, Shannon Briggs. He told to TMZ, no, man, I ain't done. I'm not happy with my performance in my last fight. Yeah, I can imagine. I can imagine. <laughs> I can't leave. I can't leave MMA fans like that. I'm not going to leave this. I'm going to, I'm going to leave the sport a little better. Like I said, I'm in talks with fighting Shannon, finally. That fight has been almost a year in the making. I want to do some boxing before I retire. I might do MMA, but I want to do boxing. I'm getting up there. I'm 44, man. I'm getting up there. My knees hurt from wrestling. When you're doing MMA, a lot of people want to take you down. BC, uh, I'm all good on the Rampage Jackson experience. Yeah, I, he, had a, I might... he had a very good career, but I, I've seen enough. Yeah, I've seen enough to know I've seen too much. Yeah, I mean, you know, he probably. do you think you should try to go the, the call-out Jake Paul route? Or is he hoping that this builds to that? Because I don't see anything else, any reason for him to get back in the gym and Dude, try something. He's got to be. Like, he's got to be what walking around two sixty, two seventy. I mean, it's yeah. You're right. It's over. Uh, so no, I don't. I don't want to see this anymore, Luke. Um, yeah, my level of interest in this is. You know what? I know zero. he's difficult a lot, and I've you know, and I've been at press events where there were other reporters. He's just like, I'm not going to answer any questions because that guy's here. Like I've been through that. I get it. But I don't think I'm done with the experience of Rampage, the MMA personality. Like, is there a a, a post-career graduated role for him in this, Luke? I, I love me some Rampage. You, you don't seem to have that same level. No, I think that is completely reasonable and, frankly, welcome. But as a competitor, my, my lord, I couldn't possibly care less at this point. Right, right. And I don't know what that role is, Luke. I, and also, I don't see it at this point. Like, dude... He's, if he keeps going and he looks even remotely like he did in his last fight, which was a disaster. Was that the Fedor he's gonna, fight? He's going to get is fucking that, hurt. This is the Fedor fight, the last one, right? Yeah. Yeah. No, I don't want to talk about that fight. No, I don't. I know. No. You're right. You're, you're right. Everything right. you say, you're right. You're right. Uh, BC, how about this one? Fresh off the win over Canelo, uh, Bivol is back, taking on a guy folks may not know, but I love this fight yeah. against Zerdo Ramirez. Set for November 5th. I believe this is going to be on DAZN. Set this one up for us, BC. Yeah, so Bivol, uh, after beating Canelo Alvarez, it was trying hard to get that four-belt undisputed fight going against uh, our guy, uh, uh, Artur Betterbeef. But it didn't happen because... Zerto was the mandatory, and his team, Oscar De La Hoya's promoter, like went to bat and pushed to get that mandatory forcing to happen. Well, it's going to happen, 
And Luke, this is a very good fight. Now, Zerto Ramirez, if people don't know, is 44 and 0. I mean, he's he's long, he takes chances, got some power uh, from Mexico. Has I believe he won a world title at super middleweight before um I'm sorry, at at middleweight before that or at least was on the title level. You know, his record at 44 and 0 doesn't like it's not that he hasn't fought anybody, but he certainly hasn't fought somebody where calling out this 44-0, you know, and he's coming close to this mythical, you know, Rocky Marciano, Floyd Mayweather area. Um, it's always going to be more hype than it is substance, but he also can fight. He's not without, you know, defensive laps at, at times. I mean, he was with top rank and, and had a big push, and then suddenly, th- you know, things broke apart. But this is a danger to Bivol. Bivol is more of the traditional mode, won't take chances unless you make them. Ramirez is going to force him to make to, to have to fight at times. So as a sort of setup to the idea of better beef is going to have a unification with Joe Smith, the slugger, it got delayed because of injury. But if this is the final four right now is really what I'm saying at 175. And I meant Zerto fought at 68 before on the title level. Now he's back at 75. If this is that Luke, it's not a bad fight at all. So get, get fired up for it. Uh, and last but not least, UFC hopeful uh, Top Noy, I'm going to say this name totally fucked up, Ki Rom, has a ritual of smoking cigarettes before fights. He told the media, quote, before fights, I smoke cigarettes. Uh, when I fight in the morning, yes, I smoke cigarettes. In the morning, I eat things. When you're full, you want to smoke a cigarette. Sleeping, wake up, smoke a cigarette. Go to fight. Do we have a picture of this? <laughs> I hope. I hope. Uh, I mean, come on. Don't, don't tell me we don't. Oh. oh, I mean, who is working okay. on this okay. show? Producers, producers, I need you to look at the rundown. If you see something like this, you need to go see if there's photos or videos of it and put it in the, the show. I don't care which side of the production aisle is on. We're looking at this and here's me talking about this. BC, this is this dude is hilarious, by the way. I don't know how much longer he has at the, at the UFC, to be honest with you, but my man is a little bit one of a kind. I mean, this is Ricardo Mayorga territory. This, I mean, that's the same pre-fight routine Keith Peterson has, according to Dom Cruz. So you got to love that, Luke. But uh, this is absolutely hilarious. And, uh, you know, smoke two joints in the morning, smoke two joints at night. Sublime song. He fits the lyrics here, Luke. He he smokes a cigarette after smoking a cigarette, and then he smokes two more. Um, uh, yeah, I love the badassery. I don't, you can't pull. I mean, this isn't the 1960s NBA locker room where dudes are smoking half a pack at halftime. I mean, you can't do that in elite sports, right, Luke? I mean, no. some guys could do cocaine and, and win the UFC light heavyweight championship, but, like, could you can't. You can't. I mean, could you? People are wondering if you can go as far as a broadcaster as you're trying to with your vape habit, and I think that's a legitimate question, Luke. No, no one is wondering that. You're literally making that up. <laughs> uh, that's it. We're done with uh, what you call it. Time for fan subs. Luke, I think I hit you with a with a body shot there. I think you know, like your legs wouldn't yeah, respond. Yeah, you definitely didn't. You definitely didn't. But go ahead. All right, all right. Uh, every Wednesday, we give you the opportunity to email us at morningcombat at gmail Monkey Morms, our great CBS producer, is waiting for you to send in your artwork, pictures of you with our clothes on, anything really to get yourself deeper into our weird ass family. This one's called fan submissions. You got mail. Viewers. We've got mail. Viewers. Viewers. Although, Luke, didn't we get an email from a, a female viewer? We got a couple of fan subs from female viewers. Yeah, yeah. Shout out to our female viewers. Um, here we go. This one's from Fredge, F-R-E-J, Frege. He says, uh, hey, guys, day one donk here from Sweden. 
doing some tip to tip to tip with my U.S. girlfriend during a trip to the States wow. over the summer. Keep up the good work and please never change. Well, Luke, if we never change, we may have to change employers, right? Uh, one day it's going to catch up with us, Luke. Here he is in my neck of the woods. This was fun. Good, cool for him. All right. The, from uh, Creme Fresh. Uh, Creme well, well done, Frage. Fred, you think it's pronounced Fredge? Fridge. 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 Yeah. We call Fridge. Refrigerator Perry over here. Luke, true or false, regular American girls like just love European guys. I mean, they'll just fall head over heels for them. I think up to a point. Up to a point. Like, I mean, this beautiful lady. European country. I bet he demands this beautiful lady feed him grapes at night, Luke. Probably. That's probably, probably true. Yeah, shout out, shout out. I mean, you know, it's a good gig if you can get it. Uh, let's go to Mary and Marty. No, Mary. Mary and Kevin, Luke. How about this? Mary says, my boyfriend Kevin wore an MK shirt that I got him on one of his YouTube videos. Might be considered small potatoes, but this video got at least 7,000 views. Might have given you one extra sub at least. Uh, this photo is uh, six months older. Uh, Kevin is six months older than Luke. And Mary is around the same age. She says, Kevin is a serious les mis the way Luke is sometimes. What the hell does that mean, Luke? And I'm the fun-loving BC who'd rather joke than face life. Oh, so Luke, they're us. That's what they're saying, Luke. Oh, I see. I see. Oh, les mis. La miserable, like the miserables. Yeah, you're a miserable yeah. person. There's what she's saying. Not me, Luke. Yeah. Okay. Uh, she says. Um, That's nice. We thank That's a nice you thing for. To say someone. For a guaranteed laugh. I mean, people look at their own marriage and see us, Luke. I don't know what that means, but that feels weird. Uh, she says, we laugh at least three times a week because of you guys with your thoughtful fight breakdowns. Keep rocking the MMA world, and I'll keep giving out my email with no questions asked just to vote for MK on whatever bullshit award you're up for. <laughs> um, the other photo, Luke, is her and Kevin at UFC Columbus. These are real fans here, Luke. Very good. Is this guy batting over his uh, limit here, Luke? A little bit. A little bit. I mean, he's a true donk. Shout out to Kevin. He's a real donk, Luke. He definitely, like, if you were to look in a lineup, you'd be like, yo, who's got a human foot in his freezer? This motherfucker would be a two on the list. I'm sure you're right. I mean, he's he's definitely feeding her grapes, definitely. But, Luke, they call yes. themselves the other MK because that's the first letter of their names, Luke. All right? Ah, uh, okay. Mary and Kevin. That's right. I love right. them. Okay, Luke, they're welcome anytime. Okay? I love them. She is. <laughs> Look at that hair, dude. That guy gets high. Come on, Luke. All right, let's oh, be fair. Oh, he probably, I mean, he's probably high. I mean, how many mushrooms are sitting in his tummy in this picture? I mean, all of them? <laughs> She's like, honey, we didn't get seed eight. He's like, I've been sitting here all day. You know, that's yeah. really, you know. Yeah. What happened to all the weed we bought? Yes. Yes. Uh, this is Jason P. coming in. Oh, that's JP from Mount Uniac, Nova Scotia. He says, good day, MK crew. I really love the UFC 278 pregame preview and wanted to put a quick post together. Real talk, like men do. BC, oh my God, those shorts. Love you guys. Keep up the amazing award-winning show. Fan for life, it's JP. Luke, you, it's about time you put some respect on JP's name, right? I don't know who that is. <laughs> Does he work on the show? <laughs> oh boy thank you uh don't worry grandpa we all remember world war one too we're right with you oh uh, okay luke uh i like that poster i in fact i'd put that on my wall or a t-shirt you luke that's pretty good actually i agree all right thank Glad you Jake. chuck's getting a little shine too i love chuck thank you i do um i mean look he works with the enemy right 
I don't know if the enemy is the proper way to describe Ariel, but uh, no, I was I was talking about baldness, Luke. Like we're fu- we're all fighting that <laughs> off. That's why he wears that hat, right? You know what I mean, Luke? Like, right? Like, you know, yeah. All right, hey, there you go. Hey, uh, Luke, let's go over to Fernando. He says, "Hey, LT and BC, I'm FC, and this is a bit of a long post, so hopefully the team will send it your way, and hopefully this half-assed photo of photos looks okay." I was in San Antonio last week on the Riverwalk. So I decided to go all MK out and spread the word. Top left and bottom right were from the start of the week, hanging out with my missus, and then going to a heavy metal concert. Bottom left is when we hung out and walked around uh, and took a horrible photo from the hotel. Then on thir- well, This guy's giving us a travel log. Then on Thursday, we went up to Austin for Rob Zombie, Mudvayne, Static X, and Power Man 5000. That sounds uh, like on a the- horrific show. <laughs> On the drive up, I went tit-to-tip at Bucky's. Then the rain showed up, so I had to protect that MK hitter during the concert. I'm sure LT knows these bands. Finally, the middle, right, was me this morning getting back on the work grind. I work from home, and I listen to MK every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, plus that MO Ultra. All day, every day, it's Fernando. Um, can we zoom in again? We got to check out. Does he have cables or women in his life? What are we doing? Here? No, but I got to say, if you're putting that kind of coffee shit in your coffee, you deserve to have your knuckles beaten with a car oh, antenna. Wow. I mean, that is. Wow. I mean, look, he did represent in, in San Antonio here. Okay. Also, name me of one Power Man 5000 song. I don't, I, you know, I, I like, I don't, you know, I didn't hate POD as much. They only had the one, they had the one hit. This is what it's like when worlds collide. Luke, I I don't know them, but I do have a confession to make. I didn't hate POD as much as everybody else did. Okay. They had one halfway decent song for the era, which was they had, they had three songs. I thought one that we don't talk about. Then they had alive and then they had that other rocker, Luke, you know what I'm saying? No, they had the one, we are, we are. The yeah, yeah, Youth of a nation. nation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, you know, their best song is Southtown. Is that off that same that same CD, Luke? I had that one. I don't know. The first that. one, yeah. Okay. Um, also, you could tell the lead singer was stupid because he named his daughter, uh, like, I, I remember this from MTV Cribs or something. His daughter's name was, was like heaven spelled backwards or something. It's like, wow, okay. You have right. not read very much in your life. Uh, Luke, uh, Fernando, big fan of, um, of, of beautiful Latinos, Luke. Okay. Latinos. Thank you. Uh, and who, and, and that, who isn't, uh, he is a smart man. Well, yeah. Except for his coffee habits and music. Uh, let's go over to Teddy. He says, Hey guys, there's a couple pics of me repping MK at UFC London and PFL London recently. I had a word with the smart cage and it told me that the liver King (laughs) isn't actually on any secret juice. So jury's still out how smart that cage actually is. <coughs> it's Teddy from London. Look at this guy representing Luke. Got a beer in hand. Yeah, there's love the smart it. cage. Oh, there's Liver oh, King there's... just doing dumb shit. So Luke, they're PFL is flying him and his family to all these European shows. Why? For... Dude, so here's what they're trying to do because it wasn't just him. They've got like there's this dude. I I, can't, I don't know if he's a TikTok star or Instagram because the stuff gets you know and the algorithm comes up in either one or whatever. There's some white guy who wears like uh, like white or like like uh, tan colored shorts who's got like the biggest ass on earth and he's constantly getting harassed at TSA for having a big ass. They flew so this is a real thing. They flew him out and they did a bit with him, Liver Kings and like any kind of yeah. influencer who's got a big audience. Yeah. It's like it's like PFL. This ain't going to get people to watch your shit. You have to fundamentally improve the product. Um 
Liver King's just a jabroni. Maybe uh, Teddy was right. That cage ain't so smart after all, Luke, okay? Yeah, it's not. All right, let's go to Michael here. A shout out to Teddy. Thank you for showing up out in London for us. One day, we'll do a live show out there in front of 5,000 British fans, Luke, and my fellow Welshman will be out there too. Uh, Michael says, from a viewer who somehow ended up living in Danbury, Connecticut. Wow. That's, oh, shit. That's Glover territory. What does he have for us here? <laughs> well, Luke, that wouldn't be wrong, okay? <laughs> That's fucking amazing. Look at look at you biting your lip. Yeah. Can't wait to talk about this part. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, I represent Luke for all, for all, okay? That's a good one. I like uh, that one. Well done, Michael. Let's go to G C G Lunds. Thanks to F O I A, we now know the truth about how Freedom Luke of Information Act. We all know the truth about how Luke Thomas Esquire was able to view a five-round, 25-minute all-out war 49 times in a matter of a few hours. Here's to you, Mr. Thomas, a true renaissance man, if there ever was one. Okay, that is fucking hilarious. Yeah, that's pretty damn good there. That is, is that weed below you, too? Yeah, it looks like two giant bags of weed. God, I wish I had those. Good Lord. Wow. Is, wow. I do that stupid face I made in the Max Holloway interview. Just perfect. That, uh, yes. Just perfect. Shout out to CG Lunds over here. That's great. It sounds like a stripper's name, but I, that's fine. If that's his profession, that's fine. Let's go to Travis. He says, greetings, MK. Um, I'm I'm one of your five black flower followers. Shout out, Luke. Yes. <laughs> Um, yeah, we don't talk about that enough. We don't. Have, I mean, it's mostly a white <laughs> audience. Let's be real about that. Hey, we did. Our shirt did show up on uh, on our guy's show. I love that man. Uh, oh, Luke, yes. W. Kamal Bell. W. Kamal Bell. Thank you. Uh, I've been following MK since episode one, says Travis. Luke and Brian get me through my work day and most of my workouts listening to the pod. Here's a pic of me repping MK in Hawaii on vacation. I only have one request. I tagged Luke in a lookalikes pic on IG and he blocked me. Look, if you could unblock Travis underscore versus underscore trap on Instagram, that would be great. Either way, I'm still a fan. Keep grinding. Luke, Travis just shot his shot to get out of LT jail. Are you going to release him live on the show? Uh, sure. Sure. Oh, oh wow. <laughs> You're like, uh, well, we'll see you at the Waterbury Open next week. Yeah. All right. uh, producers, yeah. just email me his information. I'll do it. I'll do it. All show. right. Shout out to you, Travis. You know your way around the weight room there as well. Thank you. Let's go to Jason P. Wow, JP again, Luke. This guy's making it twice in the same week. Uh, on last Friday's show, BC revealed an accusation as it pertains to the voting for the World MMA Awards. Quote, these MK guys are prostituting votes, Luke's response was. You know why I am, BC? You know what I am. A whore. A whore for votes. I will whore it up any day of the week. End quote. Hot off the presses, it's the official MK will whore for votes promo poster. <laughs> Let's bang. I like on yours. I, I mean, I look like... You know what I look like. I don't even need to say it. And then on your side... You look like a guy who definitely has committed uh, sex crimes. And then it says, let's bang. That's amazing. Oh, boy, Luke. That is uh, JP says, love you guys. Keep up the amazing award-winning show. Fan for life. Yeah, JP, shout out to you, brother. Wow. Uh, Luke, shout out to another guy who typically closes. It's usually the Sandman here. They call him Danger Mouse. He says, hi, BC. As you changed the time of the show yesterday, I've made you a new anglicized thumbnail that seems more appropriate for that time. 
Okay. Pretty good <laughs> afternoon combat. All right. You know what? Luke, he took a chance with this that it would bomb. I think it barely hit. I'll give I'll give Danger Mouse credit. It hit. It hit. Yeah. It hit. <laughs> he took a he took a chance. He says uh, the second one comes by way of the Anvil in chat, who was the first to spot that you'd stolen Chuck's hat. Yeah, you did. <laughs> Hey, you can buy it as well at themyth.com, M-I-T-H. Uh, finally, I've added you both, plus Chuck, to a classic photograph. Can you blow it up? I like how I'm sitting away from all you fucks. Yeah. <laughs> yeah the that's, world's worst posture. That's, that's, there you go. Thank you, Danger Mouse. Uh, a contender as well, Luke, for Donk of the Year. But it's, it's getting hot, that contention, you know? David Appleton's up in that, up in that groin. It's getting hot, Luke, okay? Uh, yeah, let's close don't with... Don't let him get to clo too close to anyone's groin. Yeah. <laughs> He's a professional educator. Remember that. Uh, Luke, we'll close with Caesar. He says, someone found Luke Thomas's burner on Twitter. <laughs> yeah that's awesome yeah i don't really drink anymore but everything else looks tasty yeah well done there uh thank you to our fans <clears throat> morning combat at gmail.com if you want to you know grace us with your bullshit like like jp from mount unike does uh shout out to those guys uh that's it for that stuff luke you got anything else nothing uh that is it largely for today's show we are back in studio on friday it should be noted back in studio on friday so we'll have a live in-studio show for you there. We're going to record some stuff afterwards as well to get you ready for the upcoming following fight week, which, of course, is the Nate Diaz, Hamza Chimaya fight week. Oh, also, it should be noted, BC, um, Saturday, I will have a post-fight show after UFC Paris. Oh, so wow. So I want to get folks ready for that. Is that an afternoon card in the East Coast? Yes, I think the start time is 3. Okay. 3 p.m. Good, East good Coast to time. know. Thank you for doing that, Luke. And uh, Monday is a holiday. Are we going to be back Tuesday? I think that's right. We'll have Monday off, and then we'll come back Tuesday. Mm -hmm. All right, something like that. Hey, but we got another show Friday, so why don't we do that one first, okay? Yes, yeah. let's do that one yeah. first, and okay. then we'll have a post-fight show on Saturday. It'll be fun. Okay. Yeah, thank you. Thanks. All right? Yeah. All right, want to remind everyone, Showtime.com, label that pays. You can go to Showtime.com, get a 30-day free trial. If you like it, you can keep it. If not, you can bounce morningcombat.store for any kind of merch. Falls around the corner. Get them bomber jackets, whores. Yeah. Uh, let's see. Vote for us. World MMA Awards. You can look in the QR code. That will put up here on the screen here momentarily. There it is. And you can go to worldmmaawards.com slash nominees if you are listening on the podcast. Uh, let's see. Would of you, course, Morning Combat. Hold on. on. Morningcombat at gmail.com. Now now go. What's up? Would you Look, I'm just, you know, I feel like you're going to end the show if I don't just step all over you. Um, Aaron Bronstetter. Yes, I'm going to end the show. Are you going to vote for Aaron Bronstetter, Luke? Yes, of course. MMA Journalist of the Year. Sure. I'll vote for anyone MK affiliated. Wow. Would you vote Damien um, the Donk out of prison if it comes to that, Luke? <laughs> no, do, can you imagine getting a collect? You've got a collect call from Damien the Donk <laughs> from the you know Montrose <laughs> Correction Department. I'd be like, fuck, no, I ain't taking know, this call. Two years from now, would you use your powers of attorney, Luke, to get uh, President DeSantis to pardon Damien the Donk? Can't say that I would. Okay. No. <laughs> Can't say that I would. Okay. Uh, all right. BC. That is it for us. You can follow us on social. Don't forget, Morning Combat is now on TikTok. Same thing, just all one word, Morning Combat. And then you can follow us at a bunch of other places as TikTok, well. TikTok, uh, you don't stop. 
All right, yes, you don't stop. That's right. You need to stop. Okay, for CBS Sports, Showtime, and Malka, that's Brian Campbell. I'm Luke Thomas. We'll see you in studio on Friday, live 11 a.m. in the East. And until then, may all of your gains be loyal.